You're listening to the Agony Column News Report, trashotroncom agony. Mark Goodman is a consultant who has worked with Interpol, the United Nations, NATO, the Los Angeles Police Department, and the U.S. government. He founded the Future Crimes Institute. His new book is Future Crimes. Mark, give us an example of what a future crime is. Well, a future crime is based upon technology, usually, of one sort or the other. I start off the book, Future Crimes, talking about all the technological crimes that we face today, the standard cyber crimes, the identity theft that we may be used to. And I point out that we're just at the very beginning of this, that there's all these new technologies coming on board besides today's cyber and smartphones, but robotics, artificial intelligence, Internet of Things, brain science, quantum computing. And the fact of the matter is all of those technologies, so they pretend great good for society, there's a flip side and they can all be abused and used against us. Can you read to us from the book about somebody who experienced that flip side? Sure, of course. Matt Honan's life looked pretty good on screen. In one tab of his browser were pictures of his new baby girl. In another streamed the tweets from his thousands of Twitter followers. As a reporter for Wired magazine in San Francisco, Matt was living an an urbane and connected life and was as up-to-date on technology as anyone. Still, he had no idea his entire digital world could be erased in just a few keystrokes. Then, one August day, it was. His photographs, emails, and much more all fell into the hands of a hacker, stolen in just minutes by a teenager halfway around the world. Honan was an easy target. We all are. You give us a great variety of different kinds of crimes, whether it's all the information that we have on Google that can be easily uh, misused by anybody else who can get access to it, to the way terrorists are able to crowdsource their crime. Tell us about some of the solutions to this. Well, I didn't want to just write a book about the problems, right? I wanted to people to understand the problem. I wanted to introduce them to how rapidly the bad guys are running ahead of the good with these technologies. But the last few chapters of Future Crimes are very much focused on solutions, both tactical and aspirational. So in there, I talk about the way that we currently do coding, the number of software bugs, and how we need to change that. I talk about the power of encryption for protecting our data and why perhaps we want to encrypt all of our data and the internet as both a means of privacy and crime prevention. I talk about the models that we use to deal with the cyber threat now. Right now, we use mostly a law enforcement approach. We should arrest the people that did this. But as I've noted, we're never going to have enough cops. International law breaks, uh, the internet breaks international law and policing. And so I think and I think of and propose other models. When it comes to the cyber threat, we often use the language of medicine. We talk about computer viruses. We talk about infections. We use the language of medicine to describe the problem, but we don't use the language of medicine to talk about the solutions. And I think public health and epidemiology are two great models that we could apply to the cyber threat. So if you think about somebody with measles or Ebola, we don't try to arrest them. We try to isolate them. We try to treat them. We try to make them well, and we try to keep healthy people away from them. I think taking an epidemiological approach to the cyber threat using concepts of cyber hygiene as a public health model could go a long way to helping protect ourselves. 
and moving forward, I think there are opportunities for us to create new institutions, such as a World Health Organization for cyber, that could help isolate and limit these threats. Beyond that, other types of tools will be required. I talk about the power of innovation and creating a incentive prize through the X Prize Foundation for cyber threats. You know, if you think about uh, Charles Lindbergh, he did not just cross the Atlantic to do it. There was a twenty-five or fifty thousand dollar purse that was put up back in the day that drove tremendous innovations in the very early and young field of aviation. And I think an incentive prize through XPRIZE, an incentive prize for cybersecurity could drive tremendous challenges. The other thing too is that we're never going to have enough people to handle this problem in government. The bad guys are using crowdsourcing techniques to carry out crime. I think we should definitely be using crowdsourcing techniques to help drive our own security, right? Our security is too important just to leave in the hands of government. They've proven their inability to deal with this threat. So I think that we can crowdsource this. And one of the things I call for is the creation of a national cyber reserve corps. We have reserve Marine, Air Force, Army. We have reserve and auxiliary police officers. We have FEMA to deal with natural disasters. But we don't have any cadre of people that can respond to the inevitable cyber threats that we'll be facing. And I think those people could be 80 years old and retired. They could be eight years old as long as they've got the technical skills and can pass the background, we should be using them. And then lastly, I think we desperately need a Manhattan Project for cybersecurity. When I say that, I'm not talking about a military project per se, but in future crimes, I point out how connected we are through these information systems, how dependent we are on them for our modern way of life, and how vulnerable they all are to hacking. If you look at the original Manhattan Project, the people of the time, the Allies, faced an existential threat, which was the possibility of Germany getting a nuclear weapon and using it against the Allies. To respond to that threat, the Allies assembled 120,000 people in the United States working in secret around the clock to respond to that threat. The difference between those people and the threat that we face from all of these insecure technologies is that they were intentional about the security threat before them, and we frankly are not. Now, I don't mean to imply that a nuclear explosion is the same thing as getting your computer hacked, but if you think about the tools that we're building our modern society on, the electrical grid, air traffic control, financial services, 911 dispatch, if all of that were to go away, If we didn't have electricity, if we didn't have clean water, if we could not engage in commerce, our world would look very, very different. And so I think it's a serious threat. And the time to prepare for it is now, before the disaster happens. And lastly, I think we can do this, right? President Kennedy said in the 1960s, before this decade is out, we are going to put a man on the moon. We did that. Human beings, we did that. Americans, we put a man on the moon. Surely if we can solve that problem, we can solve this cyber threat. But it's going to take intention and focus, two things that are sorely lacking. But if we do it, if we provide that intention and focus, we can have tremendous benefits from all of these technologies before us. We can live a life of tremendous abundance. But we're going to have to deal with these security issues first, and that's what Future Crime is all about. And as you point out in that book, uh, our iPhone has more computer horsepower than put man on the moon. Absolutely. I've been speaking with Mark Goodman. His new book is Future Crimes. Thank you for joining me, Mark. Thank you. The pleasure was mine.
You're listening to the Agony Column News Report, trashotroncom agony.